ready? Okay. Um, I guess I will stop my uh, obsessing over the Lawrence brothers to hear about a horrible crime that will make me sad. So this one is extra horrible. So I love it. I'm so excited. It's a it's a terrible, terrible one. It's a heartbreaker. So <laughs> welcome to you know the one where I am Stevie and that is Stephanie. Uh, that is not how you pronounce my name. That's how I my family pronounces my name. I'm Starf. Aw. Yeah. I'm Stuff Beanies. <laughs> is that real? Yeah, my grandpa always called me Stuffinies. <laughs> okay, that's adorable. She this is Stuffinies. Um <laughs> from now on. <laughs> um, I'm coming at you with a bruised ass elbow, so I may randomly yell out ow as I lean on my desk. <laughs> Stephanie is of the clumsy variety and I'm surprised she doesn't have a broken elbow and a broken ankle at this point. Everybody keeps asking me what I was doing when I hurt my elbow. And for all you out there, I fell. Mm-hmm. But I didn't fall walking or doing anything. Well, I was—I guess I was walking. <laughs> I was standing still. I took one step and then I was on the ground. I wish I could have And been, then I couldn't stop laughing. I wish I could have been there to see it. She is good in a, in a fall. She handles falls really well. I, on the other I hand, don't. embarrassment and pain with laughter. I laughed I my tears. I want to get away as soon as possible. And then my leg's broken and I can't get away. So my sadness. Actually, if I do think about it too much, I will start laughing again. You're a freak. A freak, a freak, a freak. We knew this. I mean, think about the topic of this podcast. We knew this. Yes, we did. This week, we are going to be discussing a case that has stuck with me. A lot of these cases are going to be that way because I can't get them on my brain and I want to tell them to other people. But this one is just an extra sad case. I think it's fascinating. It has a lot of interesting aspects to it. This is the case of Mickey Shunick. And my main reason I like this case is because it's actually from one of my favorite TV shows on the ID channel. Of course, all I do is watch ID. But this one is called See No Evil. And I think I've talked to you about it before, but... Definitely. It's basically all security camera CCTV. So basically, like murder calls, this is CCTV. So CCTV helps solve the case. Gives them I leads. I always think those videos are so creepy. They are, but it kind of, in a, in a sixth sense, kind of makes me calmer. Because then I, if I see a security camera, I'm like, well, at least they know I was alive at this point and, and yeah, doing well. I, I <laughs> me and my sister. I think to like... Okay, if I were murdered right now, who would be able to say they talked to me last? <laughs> I know, it's like, um, my cat is the only person who's talked to me in three days. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, every time I see those, me and my sister give them like a thumbs up or a wave. We're like, we're live for now. <laughs> that makes me sound like such a horrible friend <laughs> if the only person you have talked to is your cat. Oh no, you reach out to me, I just don't respond. <laughs> and so I just have to assume you're dead always. Yep, yep, that's how, well, if I'm dead... I can just see the documentary. You know, I hadn't heard from her in like a week, but that wasn't un- that wasn't abnormal. <laughs> I know all of these cases are like she would respond in a half an hour. You, she would never go be on that long. And I'm like, my Oops. my phone did not ring once this weekend, <laughs> either going out or coming in. <laughs> oh my god! I took a really long nap and I woke up and thinking my phone would be crazy and it was <laughs> to me. I went a whole day without looking at my phone once. I thought for sure I would have blown up. And there was not a thing. And I was like, great. Oh, I feel loved. Anyway. <sighs> All right. Tell me about this case. So this is a case of Mickey Shunick. But like I said, a lot of the information in the case is CCTV. So I'll be going through that a lot. But it helps solve this case and in a crazy way. And so in my mind, it's just bananas. So, so it all starts Friday, May 18th, 2012 in Lafayette, Louisiana. Mickey Shunick lives there. She is 21 years old. She goes to the University of Louisiana Lafayette. But she lives at home with her family. She lives with her mom, her dad, her sister, Charlie, and her brother, Zach. The next day, on the 19th, they were all going to go to Zach's high school graduation. So they had plans for that next morning. Aww. Um. Yeah, so Mickey was headed out the door. She said goodbye to her, her mom and her sister. Her mom and sister were out on the porch talking to each other. And Mickey went out onto her bike and she said, hey, I'll be back early. I'm just going to go meet up with a friend and then um, come home early and I'll be ready to go for Zach's graduation the next morning. Her mom said, Mickey, be careful. And Mickey said, I always am. And that was the last time she spoke to her mom. One of Mickey's favorite things is riding bike. She rode her bike anywhere she could, which I just envy because... 
I've never wanted to ride a bike, even when I was a child. (laughs) I'm not a bike rider. But she loved it. And she had this really nice bike that she absolutely loved. So she was planning on going out to a bar in Louisiana, especially in Lafayette. There's a big music scene. And she was really into the scene. So she went to meet one of her friends at a bar called Artmosphere. That's the last time her family knew where she was going. So her family goes to bed. She's a 21-year-old. She told them where she was going. They didn't know when to expect her back, but they knew she would come home. So the next day, they start waking up and getting ready. They don't hear from Mickey, but they assume she's sleeping in because she was out later. And so maybe she was like waiting till the last minute to get up and get ready, which I totally would have done. And I would have had plans to get up early and get ready. (laughs) never yeah. fallen through so then eventually her family's like okay mickey get up get up and she's not waking up so they go and knock on her door and she hasn't been there her bed hasn't been slept in mm. and her mom is instantly like something's not right like this isn't mickey this doesn't make any sense and she kind of starts to panic a little bit but her sister charlie is like annoyed she literally texts her and says quote you're being an idiot you need to wake up and come home so that we can go to zach's graduation and she said i was just annoyed and i was calling her and she, oh yeah. yeah that's a normal I, that's a normal sister thing to do i would totally do that to my sister and then she, i bet she feels so horrible about it I, I don't think she I don't think she does she's she is the sweetest she should that's like it's such a normal oh. thing to do be like hey she kind of giggled about it she's like I was annoyed <laughs> she's, yeah like hey motherfucker get the fuck out of bed <laughs> yeah so she thought that maybe she stayed over at a friend's house and um had slept in too late so she continued to call her it went straight to voicemail she left messages but they didn't hear anything so they had to go they had to go to Zach's graduation Her mom was more concerned than the other members of her family because her mom said if she said she was coming home early, not only would she come home early, but she would come home for sure. Like she wouldn't just say, hey, I'm coming home. She wasn't that kind of person whose plan changes in the middle of the night and they don't let anyone know. Right. They go to Zach's graduation and they're like, okay, if she's not home by the time we get home, then we'll we'll figure it out. So they all thought that they were going to walk in and Mickey was going to be there and they were going to be like, you're an idiot. How'd you miss this? This was such a big day. But on the inside, they knew that that wasn't going to happen because they they knew that it was a possibility. Yeah, they knew that she would never do that. She loved her family and she loved her brother so much she would never miss that for him. They start freaking out and start calling around to anyone and everyone who knew Mickey, anyone who would have seen her that night. And one of her friends says that she saw Mickey with her best friend, Bretley, at that atmosphere bar. So his name is Bretley. She said, I saw Mickey and Bretley at Artmosphere, and that's the last time I saw her. So, I'm digging all the names in this. <laughs> oh, they're so cute. Charlie. Oh, I love Charlie and Mickey. Yeah. So Charlie calls Bretley and is like, hey, Bretley, is my sister there? And he's he's like, no. I, sh- I saw her last night at like 1.45. She, at 1.45 in the morning, we had gone out to the bar. We had stopped and gotten something to eat. She came over to my place and we ate and talked. And then as soon as she was done eating, she left on her bike and... And went home and that was the last time you saw her. At two o'clock in the morning or past that when she said she'd be home early? That's the one thing that I'm a little bit confused about. I don't know what early means, especially because bars. I that's don't know. not early in any. I mean, I guess it's a type of early, but that's not usually <laughs> what you mean. Like, I'll be home early. It doesn't mean oh, I'll be home in the early hours of the morning. Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But the family didn't see this as odd. So maybe, who knows? It might have been their routine. It might have, it might be different to my, our types of early. Because I don't even think she went out until like nine or 10. I mean, no. that's typical. Yeah. And maybe they just started having fun, but she definitely let, he said she went home. She was on her bike going home at 145. If she were to leave his house at 145, it was about a two and a half mile bike ride from Brettley's to her house. Two o'clock in the morning. That sucks. After drinking? What the f- She wasn't intoxicated. She hadn't but still, had- still, after like a long night like that, who wants to ride their bike for two and a half miles? She does. Because she, she loves her bike. See, I can't get in that mindset either because bikes are terrible. But she loved I it. I love my car, but I still wouldn't drive two and a half miles in my <laughs> You would. She had Taco Bell. She was happy. <laughs> she was good to go. <laughs> Literally. So she, it would have taken her about 25 minutes if she had gone straight home. So the family's like, something's not right here. Brettley's story doesn't make sense. Something's off. So they instantly call the police. And so the police tell them to call hospitals, see if maybe she had gotten into an accident on the way home or if something weird had happened. They call all the hospitals. They looked for any injured bikers, any Jane Doe's who may have gotten in an accident and haven't woken up yet or didn't know who they were or something like that. They found no one. So they decided to follow the route that Mickey would have taken home. They walked down the bushes, like the bushes, side streets, um, down her route that they expected her to take. They looked for her bike, her, you know, any signs of her. They figured that she had phone 
fallen off her bike, broken something, and wasn't able to get up. Wasn't able to get mm, out. And so yeah. she, she was just kind of like out there. So they looked, they couldn't find her, they couldn't find her bike, they couldn't find any evidence that she was somewhere, that some, like she wasn't answering her phone, nothing. There's just nothing. They had nothing. So they knew that something wasn't right. Because if she were injured, one of those things would be working. They call the police again, and the police send detectives out, and they file a missing persons report that day. Pretty quickly, which is nice. So then the detectives and the police officers come out, and they instantly know that this doesn't make sense. From what the family's telling them, from what they could get from the situation, it just didn't seem possible that she was a runaway. So they instantly started treating it as a missing persons. First, thinking that probably wasn't a kidnapping or a murder, but something weird had happened. So they obviously start questioning Brettley because he was not only the last person to see her, but he was one of her male relationships. Now, they thought at the time that maybe they had like more of a romantic relationship, even though the family said no. And most people said that they didn't, but they thought maybe they had some kind of like weird romantic relationship or there were domestic issues. Yep. And the whole maybe he made an advance on her and she said no. Unrequited love. Yep. And she rebuffed him and maybe he got angry. And they bring Brettley in and obviously he's really nervous, but he says there was nothing romantic between me and Mickey. We're just best friends. And he tells him the same exact story that he told Charlie. Sadly, no one was able to corroborate his story because he didn't have roommates. Nobody had seen them that night. It had just been them together. Like people had seen them at the bars, but they hadn't seen him drive home. They start by going and getting the surveillance video at the bar. And the camera shows Mickey and Brettley arriving at the bar at about 10.15. They go up to the bar... They talk, they have some beers, and then they are there for about two and a half hours, and then they leave at 12.45. Everything seems normal, they weren't fighting, they weren't holding hands, they weren't doing anything romantic, it was just two friends at a bar, nobody followed them out of the bar, nothing was suspicious. Police continue to investigate and continue to talk to Brettley while the family is going everywhere in the community. They start putting posters up. They put signs up. They get businesses to put her information on the signs, like the LED lights or whatever. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's, you know, tip lines and, and they're in the news. I mean, they get into action really, really quick. Wow. Yeah. The whole community starts searching for her. And it's just crazy how this community kind of rallied around this family and so quickly. Police decide to look in the second part of Brettley's story, which was the fast food restaurant. So they looked at Mickey's bank records and they did see a charge for Taco Bell at the time that Brettley said that they went to Taco Bell. The girl got her Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. So they went to the fast food restaurant and they pulled up the drive through window camera because they could see through her receipt that she went through the drive through And they look through the footage and they can see Brettley's car pulling up. So what he had done is um, they had ridden their bikes. Used to- her credit card. No, no, no. Sorry. I forgot to say this part because you're going to be like, why are they in a bike? <laughs> and now they're in a car. So they both rode their bikes to Artmosphere, and then they rode their bikes back to his house, which I'm guessing was nearby. And then they got in his car, rode to Taco Bell, and then went back to his house. Because you can't go through the drive-thru, and it's hard to bike with Taco Bell. Yeah. They, Unless you have a basket. But still, you have to go inside and leave your bike outside. You can't go through the drive-thru. No, you can go through the drive-thru with your bike. Nope. It's not allowed. It's technically illegal. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are technically illegal. <laughs> I know. I wish you could. I would love to be able to walk up to a drive-thru every now and again. Even though I don't walk anymore, but in high school, it would have been great. And funny. Especially if you pretended you had a car. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Okay, so... So, did they catch her on the CCTV or just him? So, they see his car pull up. They see him. It's very grainy, obviously, because most CCTV is. But it's getting better nowadays. They can see him. They can see him pass the credit card across to the drive through attendant. And then they see the attendant hand him the food and give him the car back. But they can't see if anyone is in the passenger seat. So he could have just used her card to establish. Correct. So that's what they're thinking. They look hard and they can see that he hands the bag over to somebody. But they can't see anything else. So they don't mm. know if that's Mickey. They don't know if that's a co-conspirator. They don't know who that is. Um, or but if he was actually just putting it on the seat. Well, no, because you could see movement. It looked like someone grabbed it. You could see like a flash of white. They were able to corroborate the timeline, but they weren't able to corroborate that Mickey was there. But according to Brentley's story, this makes sense. He was driving. She was in the passenger seat. She passed over the card. She paid for it. I don't know if, obviously, we don't know if he was going to, like, who cares what the money worked, but if they were both using it. I do that all the time with my sister, with you, where you go to, like, a quick fast food restaurant and you're like, I'll pay you back or whatever. Instead of having to do two charges. Yeah. So then they got nothing from that. So they decide to 
talk to Brettley and figure out what time she had left and where she was planning on going. They tried to map out her route home and they tried to see if there would be any cameras that would have caught her on her ride home. Cameras outside of commercial places. Two days have passed since Mickey has disappeared. Police tell the family members, Mickey's family members, to post on all of their social medias asking for anyone who has private or commercial cameras to turn in their footage. And they get over 300 videos. Different videos. Yeah. So they start messing around. Exactly. And it does pay off. I mean, they looked through, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hours of footage that didn't matter, but there were some that changed the game. Well, right. I mean, that's true of all clues, really, is you look through a bunch that don't matter until you find the ones that do. I know. Especially in this kind of thing where it's you're not guaranteed that it's going to matter. Because you don't even know, like, at this point, they don't even know if she left Bradley's. Yeah, they have no idea where she might be. Exactly. They start looking over the videos and they can't find anything until they look at a bank's surveillance camera, which was a couple of blocks from where Brettley lived. They look at the camera and it's an infrared camera, so you can't really see, like, everything looks kind of weird and glowy because it's, like, black Uh and white. So in the top upper left corner of the screen, you can just see a person on a bike just driving by and it's, like, a split sec. I mean, it's like they're there for like two or three seconds. And they're like, it looks like it could be her. We can't confirm at this point, but it looks like a woman on a bike. So then they change camera views. This cam- this bank had like three or four security cameras on different sides of their building. As banks tend to do. Yeah, which is great. We need those. They look at the other point of the camera. And again, they see a girl on the bike and they can see her blonde hair. And she has striking blonde hair, like naturally bleach blonde hair and it's beautiful okay curly just beautiful hair and so they can see that and then she also had this blinking light on her bike obviously when you're riding at night so they could see that blinking light and they're like that's we're pretty sure that's that's mickey so they were able to catch reasonable to reasonable to believe (laughs) holy shit reasonable to believe that it might be mickey exactly so then they light my hair on fire now okay (laughs) have fun So they bring in Charlie and her dad to confirm if that was Mickey, if they could tell. And her sister said, instantly, I could tell it was 100% Mickey. And she said, once you know someone so well and you love someone, you know their mannerisms, you, you, you can just tell that it's them. So they confirmed. So now they could check Brettley off their list because she was driving down the street by herself. Same time Brettley told them she had made it out of his neighborhood. Brettley was pretty much cleared at this point. So then they continue to map out her potential path from there. So they looked for footage for after she had left the bank's point of view to see where else that she could go, which is great because they actually have a plan. Now that they know where she was, they know her most intended route home. When she leaves from Brettley, there's a couple options. So now that they knew she went this way, they were able to get more footage. They start with footage from a convenience store. So this camera overlooked like a gas station, but it was a time-lapse camera, which are so frustrating. It takes a snippet of every one second. You would get like someone stepping and then someone stepping and then someone stepping, but you would- Oh, okay. Like almost like stop motion. Yes. Yes. You'd get like little, so it was basically like little pictures. And so you would see them moving, but it would be very, it wouldn't be smooth. And like if someone- choppy. Exactly. Again, in this tiny little corner up in the top left, you see a bike going by with its flashy light and it looks like a blonde haired woman on it. So they're like, oh, there she is again. We know she was here. And across the street from there is a city hall, which has better cameras. So the Love com- that. They pull up the city hall camera. And again, it's still a time lapse camera, but it's clearer. And so they see her again driving down the street. Nobody's following her. She's safe. She's on her way home. Everything looks good. Down the road from the city hall was an attorney's office that also had cameras that gave them to the police to look at. And so they said that she would have passed this based on when she passed the convenience store in the city hall. She would have been to this camera at 1.48 a.m. Okay. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And she never (gasps) gets to the attorney's office. So they know now that between the convenience store, city hall area, and that attorney's office, which I think was like four blocks, maybe even less, she had disappeared. Okay, okay. So they tell the family this, and so the family goes out in droves and tries to look through this area to see if she had fallen off her bike or if there was any anything, any evidence, looking for her bike, looking for her shoe, looking for her phone, like just anything. There's nothing. So they were at a loss. What the hell happened between these blocks that she just fell off the face of the earth. So then they go back to looking at the security camera again, and this time focus on the things around Mickey to see if there was anything that seemed a little off. 
Because at this point, the family thinks that she was hit by a drunk driver. They, they don't think this as for sure, but they're thinking in their mind that she got hit by a drunk driver and someone's hiding her or concealing her because they don't want to get in trouble. So maybe okay. she's alive and just badly injured or maybe they killed her or some, something like that. What are the chances that this is true? None, uh, sadly. Mm-hmm. But at least we know, okay, so she was for sure, she for sure oh, wait, was alive on. when he got her Taco Bell because these are all after. Exactly. These timestamps are all after the Taco Bell. Yeah, exactly. Not we do. I guess we don't know if she was there, but we know she was alive after. Yes, and we confirmed that she was there because we trust Bet- Bretley's story at this point because everything matches up. They did. They looked crime scene through his house. There was no evidence of a of any kind of struggle. She left on her bike just at the time he said. So they're pretty sure she went to Taco Bell and got all of that. So I did mistake myself. So she was seen at City Hall. She was seen at the convenience store, and she was seen at the attorney's office. But. The event center was the next spot, which was a quarter mile, and that's where she disappears, between the attorney's office and the event center. Oh, okay. So, I mean, it's still the same thing, but just, you know, she's caught on multiple cameras. So, the police are like, it's foul play at this point. They don't have such great hopes, but they know that if she's alive, they need to find her now. Like I said, they start looking in the area of the videos, and they see this white pickup truck, and it jolts out at them, because it seems to be following her. So, she drives down the intersection by the convenience store. So she's going perpendicular to him and he's in the middle lane like he's going to keep going straight and she's crossing like she's going straight on the other ways and so he's... Oh no. So he's supposed to keep going perpendicular to her but he turns right. No. And follows her. And so he's keeping a pretty good distance on the next camera but then on the next camera, the attorney's office camera, you see his car ahead of her bike. Police are just sketched out by this. So they knew that either this person was a witness and the last person to see her alive or they were the suspect. Listen, to me, white trucks will always be creepy because when I was in like either middle, late middle school or early high school, when we were still like being kids, we were at my friend's house at night. We were playing like these outdoor games and this white truck Mm -hmm. passed by the house and then slowed down right in the house. And this is like, four or five girls and a couple of guys playing right and it slows down in front of her house and passes by it goes down the street it turns around it comes back and my friends get a little freaky and they're just like okay that's really really weird and i was like oh it's not that big of a deal but maybe he's just looking for a house of course you i would. wasn't a true crime fan yes oh my and god so he slows down on the house again and then when he gets down the street he turns around again for a third pass and everybody all the girls at least screamed and went inside the <laughs> house and my friend's dad came out and was like hi what are you doing and they were like oh we're looking for this house and to this day i don't know if that's true they're looking for a victim if you are a white van please don't slowly creep by three was different it a times truck? to speak on some high school girls was it a pickup truck pickup truck yeah oh god so yeah at least it wasn't a van <laughs> all right you said van and i was like a van oh no no no, no. it was a pickup truck my yeah. bad no, no no that's okay white vans are fucking creepy too they're all creepy just don't get in cars ever <laughs> um, walk everywhere but you can't bike anywhere either you can't walk either because it would have been the same story you can't walk just you don't can't bike you can't drive just don't ever leave nope but then if you're Post at home everything. what if no, they break the into your home kill you. i know i tell my so this is my DoorDash, like a DoorDash a lot. And I tell them to leave the food at the door and text me when they leave it there because I, A, don't want to see them. B, I'm scared of everything. And C, <laughs> my dog will freak out. And they do. They leave it on the floor. I love that. <laughs> you know those are all excuses. You're afraid they're going to kill you. Yep, don't. I don't want anyone even to. They're going to see your striking beauty when you open the door. Oh, in my greasy hair and my beautiful robe. It's all the rage. Okay, so. They awesomely, I love this stuff about true crime and like how how far things have come because they were able to go to Chevrolet and they're like, what car is this? And they were able to tell them the make, model, and year. Oh, this is our Chevy Creeper 2000. (laughs) (laughs) This is our Chevy murderer number seven. (laughs) Okay, so this, they found out that it was called a Chevy Z71. And I'm assuming the year was 1971. Um, That's what I said. Now, we live in Louisiana at this point, so white pickup trucks are literally everywhere. Oh, no. So they are at a loss. So what they decide to do is they decide to turn to the media 
And they get this truck plastered everywhere. And her sister called it the white truck was the symbol. It was like this omen. Everyone was just trying to figure out who had this. They put this out. And at the time, Mickey has now been missing for seven days. Her family is trying everything to keep her case in the media. Because as we know, one day it's like a big deal. And then they forget about it the next day because something else has happened in the media. You know, they kind of want that first story, but they don't follow up, which can be sad. So they kept it in the spotlight kept doing vigils, kept doing news stories, you know. Keeping it relevant, keeping exactly. it in people's minds, yeah. They were pleading, and the community was so great. You can see these videos of them just being surrounded with food and water and having these events and people just staying there with them. I mean, they're constantly surrounded by support, which is just great. Right. In an interview, Mickey's mom, her mom is named Nancy, she says that they try to stay together in public and go home and fall apart, which... Mm. And she said, like, so sad. Yeah, she said, like, you have to wake up every morning and make a decision if you even slept, but you have to make a decision, conscious decision not to quit and not to give up and not to roll in a ball and want to, like, die. I mean, honestly, when I was writing this, I would just get so emotional because I, her sister, so, so they start pleading with the public to bring her back, thinking maybe she did, like I said, got hit by that drunk driver and someone was holding her or someone did something stupid. She said, like, if it was an accident, like, we won't press charges, like, just bring her home. And she's just pleading and, and it breaks her heart. I just, ugh. The police continue to look for more video of the white truck. And again... They see that creepy little turn, so they're looking for more information because it was dark out and the time lapse and headlights and taillights, you know, at night in videos, they blur out license plates, so they couldn't see what the license plates were. Damn, that would have kind of been useful. Exactly. They determined that what happened was, at this point in the police's theory, is that that truck saw her, took the opportunity followed her and the reason he was ahead of her was because he was going to wait until she was in an area where he felt safe enough to grab her and then he would make his move especially if they're where there was less lights like in a more residential area they're continuing to look for footage of this truck when a fisherman comes across a bike in a swamp about 30 miles away from where mickey went missing oh no So the family eventually determined that this was Mickey's bike. Not at first, but luckily the fisherman called the police, I'm guessing, because he saw this all over the news. And it was strange to just have a bike thrown in a swamp. But I guess the swamp led to a river and it was normally really high waters. But for some reason, there was really low waters at that time. And they Mm -hmm. said that luckily the bike got stuck on rocks and then the water got so low that the handlebar was sticking up in the air. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been found. So it's kind of like a miracle that it was... I think it's so crazy how there's, like, these, a lot of instances like this when you find, like, the key clue or you find a body. It's these moments of, we shouldn't have been able to find this, Mm -hmm. and here are the the details that came together. Mm This butterfly effect of happenstances that came together Mm -hmm. that we then we were able to find it. Exactly. And, And, yeah, it happens a lot in these cases, so it's kind of crazy. Life's crazy. I have chills. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, they show the bike to Mickey's family and they confirm and they instantly know that it's not good. Her bike Mm -hmm. was 30 miles away. It was thrown off a bridge into a swamp. Clearly being dumped. Like they're trying to hide something. This ain't good. Exactly. So families still think that someone who has her may return her. But police at this point know that they're probably not going to find Mickey alive. But they still continue their search for this white pickup. At this time, they take the bike to the crime lab, and the crime lab looks at the bike, and there's damage to the back tire and the back of the bike. They determined that the height of the impact matched the standard height of a bumper of a Chevy Z71 truck. So he so they knock her off her bike. Mm-hmm. Dicks. Yep. So they get divers looking into the swamp for the body, but she's not in the swamp. They look all around the area. There's no body in that swamp as far as they were able to find. Now nine days have passed since Mickey went missing. So police in Louisiana, that's where this takes place, get a call from the police officers in Texas. And they say that they found a white Chevy Z71 burnt out, but it still had his license plate because this guy's a fucking genius. And so he sets the car on fire, leaves the license plate. <laughs> police. Oh my in- God. <laughs> yeah. So luckily, thank goodness. So they send the license plate out for information, but they also put the license plate into traffic cameras in the area to see if they can get a better look and determine that that is the exact truck that they're looking for. So they see the images from that day of that car riding around in the area. So they determined, yes, it was in Louisiana. Yes, it was in the area where Mickey disappeared. And they were able to view looking down into the truck so you could see what was in the truck bed. And they noticed this post, wooden post that you like use in the ground or something. It was like four by four post. 
that was sticking up. And then a big white cooler, like those styrofoam plastic ice coolers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then they go and look at their original video of the one that was behind Mickey, and they see that there's this post sticking out of the back, just like in the daylight picture, and there's this big white ice chest. So they know for sure this is their guy. So they pull the license plate and get the driver's information, and they find out that it is a registered sex offender named (gasps) Brandon Laverne. Oh! Yep. And so... They tell the family this, which I guess was like probably the hardest thing they've ever had to do. And the family looks into his past and they know it's not good. His name is Brandon Laverne and he's a piece of shit. So he was on the sex offender registry because he was charged and pled guilty to aggravated oral sexual battery in 2000. Yes. And he was sentenced to 10 years in prison for that. He was in prison for eight years and then was paroled in 2008. So he ended up pleading guilty, so he got a lot of his charges taken off the plate because he also had, like, burglary and, and all that jazz. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you a quick... This is very graphic. So if anyone doesn't like anything that involves sexual assault or if they have any trouble with that, I'll put a time note in the description where you can and jump ahead to because this isn't about Mickey, but this is what they learned he did to a woman before how he got on the sex offender registry. You ready? I am ready. I have a diatribe to go on at the end of this if it ends up being him. So on April 12th, 1999, so this happened in 2012, and he was in prison from 2000 to 2008. So on April 12th, 1999, Brandon Laverne broke into a woman's bedroom through a window. Uh. Yeah. Through a window while she was asleep at 1.30 a.m. He jumped on her and forced her face into the pillow, and she was struggling and screaming until she felt a knife up against her. He threatened her with a knife so she would comply. So she stopped screaming. She stopped struggling. And he took the shirt she was wearing and pulled it over her head as a blindfold so she couldn't see. And then he tied her wrists behind her back. And then he pulled the mattress on the ground, pulled all the sheets off the mattress, and then put her on the mattress on the ground. Which I don't really get, but that's what he did. So she's on the bed on the floor. And she has her eyes covered and her hands behind her back. And he takes her clothes off and touches her inappropriately everywhere and she tells him that she's a virgin and he said i'm not going to take that away from you so he doesn't rape her vaginally which fuck fuck so are we supposed to give him kudos no 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 exactly like all the no's no 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 so he forces her to give him oral sex and that's where the oral sexual assault comes from and he ends up ejaculating and he forces her to go into the bathroom, spit it out into a rag, and then wash her mouth out with, like, everything so that it didn't leave any stuff behind. And he ripped all the phones out of her wall. And I don't know what point he did this. I read this, um, the court document and the police document, so some of it was redacted. And he puts her on the bed, unties her, says, count to 100 before getting up. And then he says, if you tell anyone, if you call the police, I'm going to come back and burn the family. Because I guess she lived in the same house as her family members. He said, I'm going to come back to this house and I'm going to burn this place down with all of you inside. So she waits until he leaves and then she gets up and calls 911. Good girl. Mm-hmm. The police come, and she actually knows who it is. She knows that it's Brandon Laverne, because... Well, she's obviously seen his face. Yep. So he was her cousin's ex-boyfriend, is what I can gather. Oh! Yeah, which is what I can gather. So he was um, in the military, and I think he lived at, like, a military base at the time, or or something weird like that, and her cousin had broken up with him, and he knew that she was home alone that night, because her mom worked late hours at night, so he knew that she would be alone until sunrise. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is she, so she tells police all of this, but she doesn't bring up the oral rape because she's like ashamed of it. So like, yeah. So they went to the scene and they gathered, he didn't even take that rag with him, the one she spit into. So like, what's the fucking point? It's just disgusting. Like it honestly, I get enraged. Like I get enraged. This just makes me so fucking angry. Anyways. Um, so sorry. Well, if somebody like him is going to do something like this, then good thing he's an idiot who leaves this shit because this is going to help put him away. Exactly. The police end up arresting him. He comes up with this bullshit. Like, it was consensual. She was hiding it from her cousin because she didn't want her cousin to know. And that's why I went through the window and all the shit. But they knew that he was lying. They had all this evidence. So he ended up pleading guilty to aggravated oral sexual battery. And he got aggravated battery and burglary all taken off the table. But he was sentenced to 10 years, only served eight, but was on parole for a while after that. So then they look into this guy and where he was 
at the time of Mickey's disappearance. And they find out that the day of Mickey's disappearance, he went to the hospital with stab wounds, and he said that he got into a robbery at a gas station, which we'll get to. But they're like, something's not right here. Yeah. So with all this information, his truck, his past, him being in the area, everything lines up. So they put a warrant out for his arrest, and they charge him with first-degree murder. So after his arrest, Mickey's family knew that there was very little hope that Mickey was alive, and they just wanted to find out what happened and where she was. The police start their interrogation, but as soon as they bring up Mickey Shunick, he lawyers up. Mm. And he's just a piece of shit. Like, his interview is just gross. Because he learned after the first one. Well, not very well. Mm, No, but it took it to kill him. Well, this one takes a weird turn. But yeah, he probably would. He probably would have. Well, yeah. No. Okay. We'll get there. You're right. But yes. Okay. Okay. So they knew that this was their guy, but they wanted to know where Mickey was. And so the DA decided to make a deal with Brandon. Ugh. It's actually a pretty good deal. Basically, they took the death penalty off the table so he would get life in prison without the possibility of parole. Okay, fine. That's fine. Yeah. If he told them where Mickey was and given a detailed account of the night Mickey was killed. There you go. No, they always have to bring these to the family first in the family. Well, I don't know if it's have to, but they always do. I'm guessing they have. Because it's like they're. Maybe in some states they do. I don't. Well, that that seems weird. You don't. Survivors and victims don't typically get that, that much power. Yeah, maybe they just do it as well, a maybe kindness. They, it's like they, they strongly consider what the family wants. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I've heard this time and time again. The family didn't want to or the family did want to. Yeah. So the family was like 100%, we want Mickey back. We want her body. They knew at this point with that information, obviously, she was dead because they wouldn't be making this deal if it wasn't possible. You know, he wouldn't say that he would do this. So they just wanted, wanted to know what happened and they didn't want to spend their whole life wondering. And her mom actually says, I don't know how people who family members go missing and they never find them i don't yeah, know I don't, I don't know yeah i don't know how the wondering must drive you bananas this is what brandon's story is so brandon says he was driving and he saw mickey riding in the middle of the road and he struck her with his car which we already knew she was made unconscious by the hit and he picked her up and carried her into the vehicle and she was unconscious at this point she woke up in the truck and sprayed his ass with pepper spray that she good girl yep she then saw the knife that he had with him and she stabbed him three times in the chest, in the back, in the hand, and she's fighting, fighting, fighting. He was able to grab the knife from her, and he stabbed her in the chest a couple of times. Oh, I wanted her to live so badly. Oh, she he- fought so hard. Good for her for, like, pepper spraying his ass and stabbing his ass. She and, fought ugh. like hell. So, he thinks she's dead at this point, so he drives her to this field. She's not dead. She gets up one more time and stabs him again. Wow. And she's turning to leave the vehicle, and he had a gun. And oh. he shot her as she was trying to leave. Which, this part, like, this whole, sto- <clears throat> this whole story sucks. But, like... She was so close. And he's such a fucking piece of shit. Her sister, Charlie, said that it was hard to hear how she died, but at the same time, she kicked his ass and beat him up, almost killed him, and she did everything she could have and should have done. Yeah. Which is, it's just so true. He then tells them where they can find the body. So on August 7th, 2012, Brandon tells them that her body is in a small cemetery about one foot underground. He said he couldn't dig any deeper because of his injuries and he needed to go to the hospital. I Surprised he, he was able to get that far with those injuries. So he didn't dig very deep, but she was in a cemetery and her mom said, genius, I w- we would never have looked there. We would never have found her there. Yeah. No one would have expected it. So so making that deal was, they needed to make that deal or they would have never. Yeah, to find her. Mm-hmm. They would have never found her. Exactly. So the police say that Mickey solved her own case. She injured him. She made him go to the hospital where there was proof of his injuries. There's pictures. I can't find them online, but I'll put that see no evil information up and you can see him in there. He has huge stab wounds in his upper chest and one on his back and his hands are cut up like she fought. And because of this, she left all kinds of evidence in his car, which caused him to have to let his car on fire, which caused them to find his car, which caused them to find him. Yeah. They said like, so it was her and then video surveillance because the video surveillance was able for them to see where she went missing and find that white truck. Yeah, to follow her trail. Exactly. Brandon pled guilty and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for the murder of Mickey Schumick. So I was about to wrap this up because that's where the scene of evil ends and that's where Mickey's story ends. But I went to look up some information and I found out that he has actually confessed to another murder and he's in jail for another murder. Of course he did. Yep. Someone like him doesn't stop or like, I wouldn't, I'm not surprised that maybe she wasn't the 
first, first person he killed. Yeah, so this was actually a couple months after he first attacked that first woman in 1999. So, so before they got him in prison yeah. for that. Yeah, yep. There's so there's two, so there's one murder that he confessed to and that he's serving a life sentence for. And there's one that they mention, there's no information. It's the most frustrating thing. I looked up her name, I looked up her name with his name, and there was tiny little snippets. So this is all of what I could find on the internet. But while he was being interrogated for Mickey's case, Mickey's death, he also confessed to a murder of a 35-year-old named Lisa Pate, who was killed in 1999. So Lisa disappeared in July of 1999. Her body was discovered that October under three wooden boards in a grassy field in an attempt to conceal the body. She was identified through dental records. The cause of death was ruled undetermined due to the decomposition of the body when it was found. All that, I don't want to bring this up, but this is all I could find is that her family said that she had an extensive history of drug abuse. She had gone to rehab. She had had a lot of issues with drugs, so maybe that's why she wasn't like reported missing and it was mm. it didn't you know follow that track which is so wrong she's mm-hmm. just as important as anybody else exactly so it's so long that somebody like her wouldn't get reported missing i understand maybe the mechanisms mechanisms that go into why she mm-hmm. wasn't reported missing mm-hmm. you know if, if there's nobody to keep account of her nobody to report her missing but it's just so sad that people slip through the cracks like that yeah or maybe they reported her missing but maybe the family didn't know if she was missing on her own because you know yeah, yeah. So it, either way, it doesn't matter. But also, it was 1999, so I think yeah. because of like technology at the time too, like you couldn't just call someone, you couldn't just you couldn't keep. In yeah, touch with it was easier you... to lose someone. Exactly. Um. So all I found out about her is that she was a mother of two. That's all I could find. Oh. So I do have a picture of her though that I'll post on the blog. But he's linked to one other disappearance of a woman who has never been found. They were searching Brandon's home after Mickey Shunick's death, and they found the wallet and driver's license for a missing woman named Madeline Aumiller, A-U-M-I-L-L-E-R. But he has not been charged in the case, and again, no information. It's just a little snippet in news articles. Right. Her brother said that she went missing. He was having trouble with her. I think she lived with him for a while, and he kicked her out. I think she might have had drug issues as well, maybe. And he was continuing to put money into her account to keep her above water, trying to support her, but he couldn't have her live with him anymore mm. but she never used her debit card after a certain amount or uh, and so he he knew that she, that she was missing at that point but she was never reported missing because she was in a different state right different state of mind so like i said not a ton of information i have google alerts set for them just in case anything does come from it but i mean if you look at the lisa pate case they wouldn't have solved that without him confessing to it yeah i mean a body found in the woods in 1999, and they couldn't even determine what the cause of death was. Right. And they linked him to it still. Yeah, and it was undetermined. They didn't even know if it was homicide. Right. I mean, it was most likely because she was under three boards, but you can't, you never know. And the fact that they got him to confess. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So. Well, it just makes me so, here's my diatribe. This amazing young woman mm-hmm. is just going about her life. Mm-hmm. Does absolutely nothing wrong. Even if she did do something wrong, who fucking cares? She just, wrong place at the wrong time. Like, it's amazing how your life just can, people's lives intersect. And the fact that he made the choice to be this piece of shit. Mm -hmm. All she did was cross, literally cross the street in front of him. Mm -hmm. And that is how she gets targeted. She's just trying to go home. She's just trying to go to her brother's graduation. Mm -hmm. And this dickwad has to take her life from her because he feels entitled to her. Mm-hmm. Yep, he's just a piece of fucking shit. I mean, I was looking up more information about the case and I found a ton of information about his court appearances because he's a piece of fucking shit and he's bananas. So I just thought that I would quick talk about what's happened since he's been arrested, but then we'll talk more about um, Mickey. So he continues to be a piece of shit in jail. No surprise. Love he, it. Of course. Yep, Once he, a piece of shit, always a piece of shit. <laughs> He tried to get his pleas withdrawn, which seems to be a common occurrence with these motherfuckers, because he says he was coerced by the attorneys and the families of victims. Which, to be fair, (laughs) in a lot of interrogations, there is a lot of coercion. But we know you did it. We could have given you the death penalty, motherfucker. You want that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that this is one of those cases, but, like, let's be fair. There's a lot of coercion in a lot of these interrogations and in a lot of confessions, a lot of confessions. It's not uncommon for a false confession to happen. Sure, sure. It's so much more common than people think, and that's yeah. one of the things. Sometimes when people are people ask me what I learned in my master's program or, like, <laughs> 
what's the most astounding thing about true crime or about crime in general and like uh the amount of true of false confessions there are out there mm-hmm. I don't and how agree. easy it is to um, but I say easy I don't mean like easy peasy like walking down the street but I in relative terms mm-hmm. how easy it is to get a false confession yes I mean this one's obviously different like you said because they he bled them to the body he was the only suspect it made complete sense but yeah there are cases where even when there's not a false confession where they can pin it on an entire person and make you think that that's that person and then DNA evidence comes out years later and you're like oh, I was so wrong yeah yeah, so this case, whatever. But yeah, he's he tried to, and the judge said no. He didn't think that he was coerced. He made his decisions at the time, sound mind. He tried a bunch of appeals. They were all bu- uh, squashed by the judge. He basically tries to sue everyone in the entire world. I mean, when you're in jail, there's nothing else to lose and there's nothing else to do. Why not? So he, I'll just give you a list of a couple people he tried to sue. He tried to sue his lawyers, the media, including Dateline NPC. <laughs> Love that. His family members. I'm sure they're used to it. Oh, yeah. His family members. Yep. For libel and slander. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they don't fucking uh, like his ass. Because you fucking birthed me and, I, and then I turned into this piece of shit. Cause he... <laughs> I think it was like his sister and brother, like sister and brother-in-law or something were talking about him because he's a piece of shit. They're probably being interviewed and he, they said things and he was like, Wah. So <laughs> he also tried to sue police and his cellmates <laughs> and his bank <laughs> because they had frozen his accounts. Because he's a murderer. There was still a lot more people that he tried to sue. He also said that his brain functions are being impaired due to the jail not allowing him to remedy his sleep apnea. Which, I don't even know if he's confirmed to have sleep apnea. Yeah. Because if you actually have sleep apnea, it's like you need that. And and I think he wanted, like, medication. I don't know. Whatever. But luckily the judges are all like, you suck dick. We don't fucking care. So they said no to everything. Oh, he even requested to have his personal property returned to him because that's what they do in jail. Give you all your shit back. But he wants his cell phone, his computers, his other electronics, his clothing, his documents, and his sword. What? He has a fucking sword and he wants it back. Does he not understand how prison works? No, he just thinks everything's... he. Oh, and he represented himself in all of these, in the, his appeals and everything. Like, he's a narcissistic piece of shit. Of course, of course. And there's so much more. Like, you can look through... He tried to escape. I didn't even get to that article. He tried to escape from Angola not that long ago. And, ah! Yeah, and they're trying to determine if they're going to charge him with more, even though he's already in prison for life without parole. But if they're going to charge him for trying to escape. He's just... Stupid. Yeah, they should. Yep. So, now this piece of shit, we don't care. Let's talk about our beautiful Mickey. So, Mickey was bright and bubbly and super sassy. She was a lot of fun. She was full of life. You can see this in all of her pictures. I'm actually going to post an excessively large amount of pictures of her because she's an angel. Like, she's so cute. She has these cute little piercings, like a nose piercing and a dermal piercing. Her hair is just bright blonde and really curly. It's kind of, it's just, it's just, she's beautiful. And um, you can just tell that she's a good person and you can see this life beaming from her eyes it's just yeah like even just from her descriptions of her like that you were saying like with her family she seems like she was very full of life yes very confident maybe yes that's what her mom said that's one thing she did is she lived a full life so she was very responsible her mom said that and she was about to graduate from the university of louisiana with a degree in anthropology nice her and her sister charlie were super close and they literally looked like twins it's crazy they weren't twins but they have that same hair same face like everything's very similar yeah so i'll post pictures of her as well she's her mini me yes and she's in the see no evil she's one of the main her mom nancy and her charlie um are the main people of the family being interviewed but i think her dad also talks but her mom said it's hard oh it's getting get worse (laughs) so her mom said that she misses talking to mickey the most because she always had something funny to say her mom said that it is hard because all of Mickey's friends who went to school with her are growing up and moving on, getting careers, and Mickey will be forever 21 and will not have any of that opportunity. Yeah. So a great thing that came out of this is they created a bike path to in honor of Mickey in Aww. Lafayette. Yeah. So the Lafayette City Council voted unanimously to create the Mickey Shunick Memorial Bike Loop which is a mix of existing and new paths creating an eight-mile loop. Wow. Yeah. And there's also a memorial for Mickey in Lafayette. It's called the Ghost Bike Memorial, and it was on the street where Mickey was abducted. And it's this white bike that's on this little post thing. 
and people put, you know, flowers on it, Mardi Gras beads, and it just celebrates Mickey. Wow, that's such a great way to honor her with something she loved. Exactly. So I did not even want to try to do epitaph, creepy fun fact. Like, we're going straight for fucking joy because this sucked. Yeah, this is a hard case. We need some joy. Yeah, I mean, I was on the verge of tears like five times telling the story, and I basically cried the whole time I watched and researched this because she's everything. I just... Wow. So (laughs) I googled fun facts for when everything sucks. (laughs) nothing came up (laughs) and then i searched fun facts to help with anxiety and then it was just anxiety fun facts which i didn't i don't want that we already know those ones so then i searched cute fun facts and guess what came up cute fun facts animal cute fun facts If there's something about an otter, I'm going to lose my mind. Well, you know the ones about otters. I found them, but it's the rock in his pocket. It carried their special rocks, and they hold hands to stop drifting away from each other. Yeah. You already know those ones. So You already know those ones. Yep. So I thought I'd, I'd give you some new ones. So Tell me about more cute animals. So you know the red panda? Yes. The cutest little fucking thing in the whole wide world. The cutest little panda. They use their tails as blankets to keep them warm. Their tails are that big? Yeah. I mean, they're not, like, full-on blankets, like king size blankets, but they I think they just put it on top of them, kind of, like, curl it over them to keep warm. And there's a picture that I'll post on the blog, but I see if you can see it. Oh, my God. He's like a cat. Yeah. So then, and he's, like, yawning. Oh, my God. I I bet you, like, they'd probably, he'd probably. Is he yawning or is he going, hey, I got a blanket? Either or. (laughs) Where he's like, hi. Um, (laughs) Look at me being so love me love me okay so i I googled a bunch so i got four for you so that's the first one the second one is baby elephants suck on their trunk for comfort i knew that one that's so cute like their thumb yeah and when a giraffe is ready to give birth she'll often return to the place where she was born to have her baby how does she know where she was born no it's bananas oh that's cool and guess what the name for a group of cats is assholes (laughs) assholes <laughs> clouder c-l-o-w-d-e-r clouder like chowder chowder with an l oh, with clout <laughs> clouder i have a clouder all i can hope for is to have a clouder of cats when i grow up oh can you say that a little bit clouder please <laughs> get a little bit clouder now a little bit clouder now <laughs> okay and then i just wanted uh one more so you do you like corgis Yes, I Every, do. That's every, one of the only dogs I can see myself living with, quite oh, honestly. You're Satan. Uh, <laughs> all dogs are, are wonderful partners. So, yeah, as long as I don't have to live with them. So, you know what corgi means in Welsh? Uh, cute AF? Dwarf dog. So, it's a Welsh dwarf dog. Oh my god! <laughs> and look at the picture. I'll post this one too. It's like when things make sense. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Stop it. I'll post all of these. We're going to need it. I'll, I'll post a bunch of pictures of Mickey next to these animals because she was an animal lover as well. Ugh. So, yeah. Well, I think that this case is important. I think, A, the investigation and her being a badass is just, it's just an amazing story coming out of something so terrible. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. I apologize for the terrible story, but I think I would love to go. Do and- you, though? Do you really? <laughs> <laughs> I would love You're just gonna bring us another one <laughs> Exactly If I ever get on an airplane and travel anywhere I definitely want to go see that bike path I will not bike yeah. it I will not bike it But I will take I will take a look at that ghost bike Yeah Pay homage to this yeah. lovely woman I mean yeah She just Something in my soul links I feel You know She's one of those yeah. people that you see her And it's just instant like You instantly like her I love that And that's how she was as a person too she had a lot of friends. Well, so yeah. we will put that on our travel bucket list. Yes. Well, thank you for listening. We'll be back next time with a new story. Thanks. <gasps> you're welcome for making you sad. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but, you're never sorry. I know. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>